Hey there, this is Jonathan. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so thankful to have you with us again, and we have got a great Bible conversation this week with Brother Justin Owen, a preacher out of the Oklahoma City area called Letting Go of Past Mistakes. It's going to be a two-parter, so be ready for that. And the recording of this was outside, so be prepared for some of those peculiarities, like wind and kids playing in the background. And then also, I'm recording right now in a hotel room. I'm holding a gospel meeting, so I'm recording on my laptop. This might even sound funky. So if you can look past some of the recording issues, I think you're going to enjoy a wonderful conversation about how we as Christians can, should, must, ought need to let go of our past mistakes. Let's jump into it, shall we? Now, the title that you sent me, um, it didn't come through. It just started with the notes. Oh. And so the question that it starts with, or the title that I have, is how many people here have made a mistake this week? But I don't think that's the title of your study, is it? <laughs> no. The title of my study was uh, Letting Go of Past Mistakes. Letting Go of Past Mistakes. Yes. And... It begins with the question. So yeah. how many of you have made a mistake this week? And I'm sure everybody in the audience, if they could, would you know, raise one or two hands, at least if they were honest with themselves. If they were. And most of that, I, I should say, I think all of that group had their hand up by the end when everybody felt safe and realized, oh, okay. Sure. Everybody's hands is up, so I can put mine up too. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. And what's the, you know, this, this opening exercise, you're just trying to get everybody to get to a place where they're open to being vulnerable or what's the purpose of starting this study this way well i think by starting the study that way uh, that that is part of it yeah you when you realize that you're not the only one who has made a mistake already this week i think i gave that study on tuesday uh so we were here for a, a day or two a day and a half sure. and already mistakes had been made and you know for people to just take ownership of those things and be comfortable enough to recognize, yeah, I, I have fault. I, I am not a perfect person. It's a realization that I think all of us have, but we're so uh, timid to actually admit. Yes, I, I'm a, I think both of us, we've talked together and I've heard you preach in the past. Um, I know vulnerability is something that is a word that is kind of popular in, in uh, mental health culture, but I think it should be popular for a, an actual legitimate reason. It's not a illegitimate concept vulnerability so not at all uh, bible teaches that uh, we should confess our faults to one another and until we as a church culture figure out how to do a better job of that of making uh, our congregations and you know even even the church the brotherhood as a whole as a safer space to be able to to share when we've made mistakes when we've done wrong uh we're always going to have these issues with fear and uh, fear of rejection and people not willing to do what the Bible says because they're just afraid that they're going to be cast out. That And it's like a vicious cycle of uh, one person doesn't want to share, so they create the illusion of perfection. And then that illusion is now playing on the hearts of the next person who is observing their perfection without knowing the heart. And so they assume that there's perfection. 
And so then now they are scared to be vulnerable because they're, and you know, that's just two people, but you take that times 50 or a hundred or however big the congregation is. And suddenly the culture is one where we're fearing vulnerability, like it's weakness instead of it being a strength. You have a, a, I have, I wasn't at your study. And so I don't know this story, but it says story, bruised head, bruised ego. Yeah. What's that about? (laughs) So that was just a little mental note for myself to remember to bring it up. Uh, uh, When I first arrived, we were staying in a very nice trailer, but the trailer is a little shorter on entry. So I literally hit my head four times on Monday. (laughs) You'd think after the first time, you know, uh, it would have clicked. You need to duck before you go out. I think it's Wednesday now. I think I've got it figured out. But, uh, yeah, I I had an issue with, uh, you know, hitting my head. And it was four times in a row. And I've got my buddy here with me. And he did, you know, point that out to me. I told him we're good friends. So it's okay for him to bring that up. But when somebody does point out your inadequacies, your failures, uh, sometimes a bruise on the head isn't the only bruise you get. Sometimes your ego gets bruised. Right. And that's why I asked the additional question, uh, how many people have brought up that mistake? Oh. You know, when you have uh, a confession or you have an admission of, yeah, I'm I'm dumb or uh, I've committed a sin or I've done something I shouldn't do, uh, how many people hold those things uh, over your head? How, How many of us hold it over our own heads mm-hmm. you know sometimes the guilt of what we do we can carry it with us for a long time and learning lessons from that i think is uh lessons about what the bible teaches about that i think is very important you may get in this into your study so if go ahead and tell me if i'm preempting later questions but uh how do you encourage people to forgive themselves without making them feel guilty about not forgiving themselves. Let me maybe give an example. Somebody gets up and, and preaches something like, God's already forgiven you of this. Why can't you just let it go? <laughs> then they feel worse, right? And they're like, oh, I can't let it go, <laughs> right? Yeah, they, they feel worse. And it's, so how do we, how do we approach this subject where we're helpful without being hurtful? Well, I might not have the best answer for you, but I'll give you an answer that uh, I, I think would move us in the right direction. I think recognizing uh, in the scriptures, there are many people, many stories where people have made mistakes and they've risen above those things. They've driven themselves forward. And while even Paul, you know, he called himself the chiefest of sinners. He remembered the things that he did prior to his conversion. But uh, just looking at men like that who can speak words like that and then speak words like he did outside of that words of you know grace and comfort mm-hmm. understanding that that mindset uh is something that he probably had to work through and work on and i feel like we're all kind of in that same role when we know we've made a mistake we do our best to to correct and to make that mistake right uh, and then we move forward it doesn't mean that there's not going to be some guilt hanging in the back of our head every once in a while about uh what we've done but at the end of the day, you've done what you can, and you need to remind yourself and encourage yourself, hey, God's told me when I repent of this action, I confess my sin to him, uh, that I, I'm absolved, I'm okay. And just reminding yourself that when that, that when that guilt hangs around in the back of the mind, that there are good Bible takes and good Bible things that can remind us there's a better way to live your life sure. than living with all that sure. guilt. Sure. Well, and if 
as difficult as it may be to uh, maybe relive some of those memories, who who we are and what we've done make us into the person we are to come. And uh, the proverbial bumps on the head, as you called it earlier, uh, those bumps on the head, it's like, I kind of look at who I am now and I think if I had never experienced any of, of that, maybe I wouldn't have had the ability now to be gracious towards another person or patient with another person because I wouldn't have gone through it myself. There's something about going through it and then suddenly now you're looking at others with different perspective. Absolutely. Right? It makes you uh, definitely compassionate towards others and their mistakes. Uh, but hopefully we also learn too. You know, it, it, having taken the lumps on the literal lumps on the head, I'm ducking. It's Wednesday, <laughs> but I'm ducking, right. you know, you learn. and it's the same thing with with sin. Uh, if we have the faith that God uh, asks us to have, we trust that he knows what's best for our life. Then, you know, uh, we learn our lessons. We make mistakes. We know the feelings that we have when we endure those things and we try to do better. And hopefully we we learn, mm-hmm. we grow. Mm-hmm. Now you brought up Paul earlier mm-hmm. in your notes. You've got a scripture from Paul uh, that's meant to encourage us and give us hope. Do you mind reading it and then explaining uh, how that's helpful in this study? Absolutely. Uh, Philippians, the third chapter, verse 13, 14 says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what it's it, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And, you know, just the idea that Paul can utter a statement like this, we know him to be one who held the coats of the people who uh, were stoning Stephen. He persecuted the church. He was very active in his role Mm -hmm. in disrupting what Christianity was. So for him to make this expression, I think it can give all of us a lot of hope to know, okay, we may still struggle with the guilt of past sin. We may still struggle with the embarrassment of, of you know, past things that we've done. But there's a time, even when, when Paul could get to a point where he says, I, you know what I do? I forget what's behind and I keep my, my focus forward. I look forward and think about the things that I can be for God instead of what I was. Now, you take um, from that verse and and kind of this mindset of forgetting what is behind and laying what is, or looking forward to what is ahead, you have a couple of cautions. And I think that's good just to make this verse a little bit more tangible. Because again, a scripture without maybe uh, application or with, with context of how to apply it can often be discouraging because somebody may have something big in their life and it's hard for them to let go and they just heard you say well, forget what's behind and lay on to or hold on to what's ahead so what are these uh, cautions that you have for christians today well i think uh we can fall into two categories that are not fruitful or helpful uh, sometimes we can allow these things to torture or torment ourselves, and sometimes we can allow past failures Uh, to be something that we point out in other people and the cautions that i would have as we think about past sin or past mistake or just to make sure we don't fall in either of those traps where we are tormenting ourselves with the past or where we're holding the past over someone else's head Uh, neither of those things are productive helpful or fruitful in my opinion in uh, trying to help somebody live the christian life trying to go to heaven yourself and trying to help one another get there if a person has repented and uh has confessed their sin to God, then, 
you know, holding it over their head. A lot of times it's not sin. A lot of times it's it's an embarrassing moment. Right. You know. <laughs> right. I think that's an important distinction to make. I also enjoy that. I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if there is a time where Paul expresses. Um, maybe regrets not the right word, but at least he's not embarrassed about his past. Can you think of any where he expresses embarrassment other than him saying, I am the chief of sinners and this happens so that I could be a example for all those to come? Yeah, remorse is different than embarrassment, isn't it? Um, I can't think of anywhere that that we would see embarrassment. I can't think of any any context where he would have used that kind of language, but you know, I mean, sin is embarrassing too. I think that's why we're reluctant to admit it. But a lot of times, uh, when we make mistakes that are not sinful mistakes, they're just blunders. Uh, I think, uh, as as fellow Christians, sometimes because we seek people's love, we seek to be liked by others. Uh, we, we get into this trap where we think if we can just push other people down enough, we'll feel better about ourselves, and other people will see us the as classic better. bully. Yeah, well, it it is what it is. It's yeah. it's one of those deals where uh, I don't think anybody is intending to say, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this person's life a miserable wreck. But in order to try to win friends or in order to make themselves look better, they end up, uh, you know, finding a way to push a person down. Sure. And in sure. doing so, I mean, it's horribly effective <laughs> because people that recognize that type of behavior instead of uh, pushing that person away and saying, I, you know, I don't want that type of negativity in my life either. They put their enemies right next to them. And they say, if I can just be oh, this yeah. person's friend, right. then they won't pick on me like right. they pick on them. And right. it's, it's really just, it's, it's a horrible cycle that sadly has affected the church too. You know, we've got uh-huh. lots of kids that are coming up in environments where, uh, sarcasm and mocking is, you know, just it's crossed the little line. Right. And instead of encouraging our young people, uh, they can find things like gospel meetings discouraging. And sure. how, how sad, you know, we right. need to find ways to, to help our kids to understand that's not the way to, to help a person get to heaven. Some of the things that you've just said reminded me of Second Corinthians chapter 7 with godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow and how the embarrassment, shame, guilt that produces worldly sorrow that leads to death, a lot of the fruits of this worldly sorrow are what you're talking about with sarcasm and the, that hard exterior of like nothing will penetrate me. And so whereas godly sorrow, which leads to repentance, seems to soften the heart, worldly sorrow seems to harden the heart. And... Uh, it's a dangerous spot to be in. It's like Judas. You know, he had, um, as you mentioned, did we talk about? Did you talk about that last night? Or maybe it was in a conversation I had with someone else yesterday. Anyway, a lot of my conversations are bleeding together over the past forty-eight hours. But uh, if Judas had repented, you know, if it had been godly sorrow, he would have been received back. I don't think that was your sermon, but. It was worldly sorrow that motivated his remorse or embarrassment and shame. And so uh, instead of a happy ending, it's a tragic one. Okay. Um, in your notes, sorry, I got off on a little tangent there. In your notes, uh, 
did we just go over one caution or did you go over the, did we go over the second one as well? Both of the cautions, uh, we, you know, the, the idea that we shouldn't relive the past ourselves, don't do that. And uh-huh. the idea that we shouldn't hold other people's past over their head. Oh, so those right, are the right, two right. cautions. Right. Um, you, know, you say holding the past over others. Is that where you, you have something written down called tormenting others? Is that the same thing? Yeah. Tormenting others, tormenting oh, okay. ourselves or tormenting others. Yeah. And you've got scriptures under there that I think are, um, really important Ephesians 4 uh, 31 32 Ephesians 4 29 um, it says only such is good for building up yeah thank you <laughs> yeah that's wonderful isn't it tell me about that well just think about how much better the world would be if the words that we use with one another were focused on those things focused on building one another up and you know I understand we really need to rebuke people sometimes we need to get their attention let them know hey you're going down the wrong path i care about you and you need to reverse course or or get on a better course than what you're on right but if we eliminated all of the 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 chatter you know all of the stuff that you know sometimes we take shots at each other sometimes we remind one another of blunders (laughs) if we eliminated all of that stuff how much better uh, would we all get along Mm mm-hmm I just wonder, you know, if we paid close attention to that one verse and close attention to the words that were coming out of our mouth, that we exercise the, uh, the, if, if we practiced making sure that our words were building people up instead of tearing people down, yeah. how much better of a culture would we have within the church? Oh, I love it. I love the idea that I am directly building them up instead of talking about them to someone to tear them down. And sometimes it's like we don't even have the courage to tear them down to their face, so we tear them down to someone else under the guise of I'm concerned about them. When you're concerned about somebody, go to them. Right. Exactly. (laughs) If you you get a relationship with them, go to them. And if you don't have a relationship with somebody, Jonathan, this is... I don't know if everybody's going to agree with this or not. This is how I perceive... um, that fine line between gossip and really showing concern about somebody. Sure. You can go to somebody that you know has money in the bank with them. Have you read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Uh, it's been a long time ago. But. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm going back through that again. I, I really like that book a lot. But one of the uh, things that he talks about with regard to personal relationships, interpersonal relationships, is, you know, with every relationship that's there, we we make deposits and, and we oh, make man. withdrawals. The spirit of my mother is coming into this conversation. <laughs> she uses the metaphor of the trust bank. Yes, you know, the trust bank. Withdrawals. You have no money in the trust bank. Yeah. Oh, mom, please. Okay. So there are people <laughs> in everyone's life that, you know, so, some people have a little more money in the bank with other individuals. And if right. you don't have, right. you know, I, I, I've been around people that have, I've seen rebuking people that they don't even know their name. That's not going to be well received, but in the instance where you have an individual that, uh, you know, is going a wrong direction, but you don't feel like you have enough money in the bank. You don't go spread around to everybody what they're doing, but you can find an individual that is close to that person that, you know, uh, has enough deposits to be able to make a withdrawal and you can talk to them about it and say, mm-hmm. look, I'm concerned about this person. Mm-hmm. I haven't told another soul, but I'm telling you because I want you to help. Yeah. I want you to do something about it. Yeah. I think that's appropriate and acceptable. Well, you've just framed out in that conversation 
that an action is going to follow the conversation to go talk with the person with the concern. If there's no follow-up action, if the, if it was just for us to get together and vent, sure. then what a difference that makes. I like that. Um, in your study, you turn to the book of Psalms, right? So we're building people up and we're questioning how much better of a world it would be if uh, this verse was practiced regularly. And so then you, uh, you have Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. So would it be okay if I read that and then maybe you tell us how this is to go along with uh, letting go of the past or forgiving the past. Absolutely. And I I just want to make a comment before you jump in there, though. You know, we were here at at camp and the the kids, as we're standing in line for lunch, they're all singing songs from memory. They're singing songs out of their heart. Right. Right. You know, their songbook uh, is likened unto the Hebrew psalm book. Mm -hmm. These people, the Hebrew people, have recited and memorized a lot of these psalms. Uh-huh. So just think about, okay, this is the very first psalm. It's the very first psalm that they would, you know, they'd start they'd start reading these things when they were young, I assume, and go ahead and, and read without those thoughts in mind. This is something that they would be committing to their heart. Okay. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Jonathan, have you ever sat in the company of mockers? I have. I have too. (laughs) You know, and there, there is, I guess, a fine line of brotherhood and camaraderie that uh, we oftentimes I think blow right past the the line of okay into eh, this is getting to be a little bit inappropriate so the company of mockers uh, I think every uh, guy kind of understands we can sometimes take shots at each other and it is okay uh, but sometimes there's a line that's crossed so I I wonder a lot of times where that line is and I Mm -hmm. wonder if we accidentally cross it Mm -hmm. without ever intending anything bad and how many times has have our brethren, you know, just shouldered it and buried it and walked on? It's it's an interesting thing to think about. And as these Hebrew children are growing up and learning, the very first psalm talks about that company of mockers yeah. and how if we avoid that company of mockers, if we decide we're not going to be a part of that company or we're going to speak out when it exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm you know, we're going to be benefited by that. We're going to be like a tree planted by good water. And yeah. Yeah. So all in all, I, I feel like uh, there's there's importance in paying attention to our company and knowing the difference between uh, building relationships and being a company of mockers. You make me think of a podcast that I recorded with someone a while ago, and this man could not be with me in studio. It was... Uh, over Zencaster about murmuring. A wise man. <laughs> and, I can't remember uh, something about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was a couple years ago, I think, that you joined me for that. But in that Bible study, um, you discussed the children of Israel and the, the different scenarios with which they were murmuring against the Lord and against Moses. 
what I'm going to try to make a connection with to what you just said in Psalm is that it seems like the Psalms are an expression of the Hebrew culture to God and, and David's expression of his emotions to God. But, you know, you're saying the Hebrew children are learning this. Uh, and I think they needed to know this because they're, they also had a problem with murmuring in the past. And they paid, that's, it's written, you know, their, their forefathers paid the price for murmuring and mocking. And so here they are being reminded that how easy it is to fall into that. And here we are thousands of years later, how easy it is for us to fall into it. But Psalm 1 is to not go that way, but to stand with the righteous and delight in the law. Yeah, and it, it, I do think <laughs> there's a fine line that uh, we just we need to be aware that you can go from you know fun teasing with your friends to being a company of mockers. But just be aware, you, you know, if you're if you're strong enough to be able to know when you've crossed a line, good. There's another alternative too. You can just if it's going that direction, you can stay out of it, or you can right. say, hey, that that might not be the best right. approach. Well, we're going to cut it off right there in the middle of a really enjoyable conversation. I hope that you'll come back next week and listen to the remainder of it because Justin is going to continue to take us through some scriptures that really, I think, will help console the heart of those who are having trouble letting go and doing so in a way that is helpful and healthy and not guilt-inducing or uh, shaming. So I, I really want you to be encouraged and come back next week to finish out this mini-series. Until then, you can go to the website www.pureandsimplebible.com and check out all the resources that are there for you to utilize absolutely free. And until next time, always remember God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.